Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, uh, we are in this series that we're calling Epiphany. And um, an epiphany, and the way we're, we're, uh, we're kind of the angle we're taking on this is an epiphany is a, a sudden revelation or sudden insight. And um, if you remember, we started the series, I, I used a, a Buzz Lightyear and talked about Buzz having a couple epiphanies. And I was thinking more about this last week, and I had, I had an epiphany this week. Um, you, you know the, 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 the Toy Story, you know all the characters, right? I mean, now picture in your mind the, the character Woody, okay? You got, you got, you got Woody in, in your mind, the character? Doesn't, doesn't Brian Candela look like Woody? <laughs> is, is, now, some of you don't know Brian. He, he spoke last week, so just help you out. Here's a picture uh, of Woody on the screen. <laughs> they look eerily similar. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> He's speaking in January, I'm sure. There'll be kind of a, a serve hit back to me. So but that, that I, just, I just came to mind. It's my epiphany. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're in this series on epiphany, and we're just, what we're doing is we're just allowing this, the Christmas story to, to create these moments where, um, where we get to understand God a little bit better, we get to see him um, more, understand more how he works, and, and really understand how, what, he, what he thinks of us. And our prayer, we have a team of people praying uh, for you in this Advent season that you would have an epiphany. It could happen uh, in a weekend here. Uh, it might happen uh, during the week. Uh, but that our prayer is that you'd have a moment where it's like, wow, I, that one is, that's, I didn't know that about God. Or that, boy, that feels so personal. Uh, that God's speaking to me. So we're just blessing you with uh, one of those moments uh, this, this Advent season, as we've been going through the Christmas story, we, we looked at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Last week, Brian talks about the life of Joseph. I uh, remember that, that video he showed us, the shark getting into the cage, and talks about the difference between controlled adventure or uncontrolled adventure, and just talks about from, from Joseph's, Joseph's life. You know, sometimes we're told that the safest place is in the center of God's will, and we understand the heart and spirit of that, but it, it does, doesn't mean that, that life is better or safer in following Jesus. Actually, there's risk there, and Brian talk to us about the risk to Joseph's reputation as he uh, was obeying God, the risk to his sort of his own comfort zone. It was uncomfortable, it was inconvenient. And as well as the sense of when he has, has to go live in Nazareth, um, the sense of marginalization, uh, being sidelined or benched. And maybe you felt that before, like you've, you've been benched and uh, wondered if your life mattered. And so hey, Brian was just talking about taking heart from Joseph's story. Um, and, uh, and we're going to continue by looking at the story found in Luke chapter 2. So if you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 2. If you didn't bring one or maybe you just don't own one, um, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. It looks just like the, we're using the same Bible. The Bible I'm using is one in the pew rack in front of you. And uh, if you want to get to Luke 2, go to page 1614, and you will find uh, that that uh, that. That part I'm going to read here pretty soon. Uh, the way the, the Bible and the Purex work, there's two columns on each page. And you'll see up in the upper left-hand corner, say Luke 2. Luke was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote an eyewitness account. He did his own investigation of Jesus' life, uh, and so he put it to print. Um, the, the, the big number two on that page, that's the chapter. So you hear say chapter two, that's the two. And then you see a bunch of little numbers uh, on, on, the, on the lines below. Those are the verses. So that's just kind of how to help us get to where we're 
we're going to read. And what I want to do is I want to begin reading in chapter 2, verse 8. I'm actually going to read a little bit from Matthew chapter 2 as well, the story of the wise men. And what I want to just want to highlight for us three epiphanies that sort of arise from the Christmas story. So we're just going to jump right in. Uh, Luke 2, verse 8 uh, says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. That night being that this is the day that Jesus is born. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And we'll just hit the pause button right there and we'll, we'll discover our first epiphany. Now, what we need to understand is this context. These shepherds, these are just working stiffs pulling an all-nighter. This is just kind of what they do. They've been doing this every day, day in, day out, heading out into the fields, heading out into the pasture and guarding these sheep, sheep that maybe they owned or maybe they belonged to someone else. And, uh, and this, is the, this is the repetitive nature of life. This is the, the mundane schedule that they, they lived in. I mean, it's like every day. It's the same field. It's the same valley. It's the same stars that they're seeing in the heavens. It's the, it's the same dumb sheep. It's just, this is just life. And uh, it's, it's boring. It's mundane. There's nothing all that exciting that happens out there. They're just trying to protect the sheep from, from uh, predators or from people who might, you know, thieves that might steal sheep. And this is just the pattern of life. Yet in this regular, mundane, boring, routine, repetitive pattern of life, this incredible event takes place. Um, you know, the heavens open and, and then all of a sudden there's this angel standing there and then there's this vast host of, of angels surrounding them and the, and the sky is sort of lit up with this angelic glory. And in this moment of the routine and the boring and the mundane, repetitive pattern of life, God just appears and interrupts. And this is, you have to think, in, in the next day, and when they went out to the, to the fields, they were kind of kind of looking over the shoulder probably, and um, I bet you that they talked about this night, I mean, as long as they lived. And what a bummer if you were a shepherd and you called in sick that day, <laughs> right? Which, I mean, it, it really shows a bit of our heart of, there's something about the routine and the repetitive and the mundane that's a bit boring. I, we want exciting. We... Go to retreat and, or go to this special event and uh, we want adventure. And, 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 and all that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just that there's something about the routine that just kind of, uh, it just kind of, you kind of, I got to do it. And, and, and maybe you love routine and, and that's great. God bless you. Um, and, and, and maybe you, you like a plan and that just, that really makes your heart hum. Um, but I, I, I think for some people, there's a sense, bless you, I think there's a sense that, that we really want to get to the stuff that matters. We really want to get to the excitement, right? I mean, th this is betrayed even by my own life. I mean, I, a lot of you know I, I grew up overseas. I was born in Hong Kong. Um, I went to boarding school in Malaysia. And my life 
was, uh, was, was, I mean, it was just very regimented in boarding school. Um, and my life was ordered, this routine uh, of bells every day. 6.30 in the morning, a bell would ring, time to get up. Uh, you know, ten, you know, a bell saying five minutes you're going to go to breakfast. A bell as you're eating breakfast saying that breakfast is done and now you can leave your table. A bell 15 minutes before class started that said you got 15 minute warning to get to class. 10 minutes before class starts, a bell rings. Five minutes before class uh, happens, a bell rings. At eight o'clock, class rings, a bell rings. Eight o'clock, five, a bell rings that you're in trouble. Lunch, a bell rings. Um, about it's time to eat and then 15 minutes later another bell rings says now you can leave your table and, and you can go on to your next class and bells ring a bell rings at 3 315 to say that, that classes are over a bell rings for dinner a bell rings to go to bed this was my life from age 9 to age 18 when I went to college I really wasn't interested in education I was just interested in the removal of bells for my life <laughs> It was just this routine of this regimented planned life through the bells. Now, one of the bells that would ring would ring at 10 to 7 every day, 10 to 7 in the morning. And that bell was meant for all of us to come out of our dorm rooms. And if, depending on what age you were, uh, if you were younger, you went to this one room and you brought your Bible with you and you had your devotions and you prayed from 10 to 7 to 7.05. If you were older, you got to pull up a chair outside your dorm room and you had your, your devotions outside and the dorm parents would kind of meander around and make sure that everyone was up and, um, and, and you'd, have, you know, you'd have your quiet time. Um, math was not my strongest class. I excelled in PE. Math, not so much. But I just did some math this week. I have 15 minutes, age 9 to age 18. I spent somewhere between, uh, somewhere around 45,000 minutes of my childhood doing quiet time, reading Bible and praying. And let me just tell you something. I don't, I don't remember anything in those 45,000 minutes. I don't remember any, any of those things I read except for one. In that routine of 10 to 7 to 7 to 5 every morning from age 9 to age 18, there was one morning that I will never forget. It was my senior year. And I, I like to play sports. I loved athletics. And, um, and so I turned up for every team. I loved to play soccer. I loved to play basketball, track, you, you name it. It was a small school, so it really helped your self-esteem because you always made the team. Um, and I, 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 loved, I loved to play sports. And if you're a senior in high school, you know that how much that year means. And if you're, you're kind of you're headed that direction, you're, you're anticipating that, that year. It's your last year of high school. You're anticipating all the privileges and maybe some of the stuff you get to do. I was doing the same thing. And in that senior year, as, as the sports season is about to kick off, something, something happened with my leg, with my knee. I had these, uh, these bone fragments that were kind of floating around in there, and I, di I didn't know they were in there. I had have some knee problems all through high school. But they, apparently they got big enough to where they get lodged in my joint, and my leg was stuck like this. Um, I was just, just like that. And I had basketball practice that night. And, of course, I couldn't go and saw a doctor, and they said, hey, you, you, you got to have surgery. And so the, the school administration... Um, arranged to, to fly me back to Hong Kong and I was going to have surgery in Hong Kong. So I was, needs to say, I was pretty disappointed as a senior. I was pretty bummed. And it's the day I'm going to fly home to my parents in Hong Kong and they're going to arrange surgery there. Um, and I, it's 10 to 7, the bell rings. I'm sitting out in front of my dorm room and I'm reading in the book of Hebrews and this is what I'm, I'm reading that day. I read, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening, it's painful. And I said, yeah, no kidding. 
Um, and then I get down to the next verse. It says, so, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for you. I will make you strong. It's, it's decades from that moment. I'm not gonna tell you how many decades, but it's decades from that moment, and I remember that moment clearly. I, I, I got on that plane, went back to Hong Kong. Um, I, I, there was this new breakthrough surgery they were, they were doing at that, that time. They called arthroscopic surgery. They were just starting um, doing that, and my step-grandmother was a doctor at the University of Hong Kong. I had that surgery, and in three weeks, I was playing basketball. Now, the reason I say that is because oftentimes we can look at the routine and, and it's like kind of boring and mundane. And, and yet in that routine, there was that one moment where God spoke so clearly. What I heard him saying to me was, I see you, Steve. And in the story of the shepherds, these guys are just doing the routine. They're doing the same thing they do each and every day, day in, day out, mundane, boring, repetitive, routine. And yet God shows up at work. And here's the epiphany, put it up on the screen. God often shows up in the routine. There's some, maybe you are living your life and you have a sense of dissatisfaction because it's just the same oh, same oh. It's just, I'm just doing this and it's, uh, I mean, it's just the same thing that happens every day. I got good news for you that God often shows up in the routine. If, you've, if you read the scriptures, you know the story of the Bible, it's God shows up to people who are just doing their thing day in, day out. The repetitive nature of living life and God enters and he pulls back the curtain and he just reveals who he is. And maybe you're finding yourself dissatisfied with your life because it's so predictable. Friends, I got good news for you. God shows up there. He shows up there and he speaks and he reveals himself. Take heart. Take heart in what you're doing. God sees you. He saw the shepherds. In fact, let's we'll just kind of pick up, keep going with the story here. In verse 15, because the angels are doing their glory to God and highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, sort of declaring this um, and maybe singing this. In verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Stop there again. It, you know, it's interesting that uh, the shepherds, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but anytime there's a Christmas play, anytime there's a Christmas pageant, and, you know, and there's, there's, especially with kids, and you're the, the, the kids are trying out for positions, and there, there are the parts in the play that are more prestigious. There's, I mean, the kids want to be, you know, the girls want to be married, the boys want to be Joseph, and we want to, we want to be in that scene and in those parts, and the kids who can memorize lines uh, the best, and the, the kids who are talented, the kids who can sing, I mean, there's sort of, I guess there's sort of that competition for those parts, but if you don't have talent, and you can't memorize your lines, and you can't sing, what part do you get? You get a stick and a bathrobe, and you get stuck somewhere back here while all the action's happening over there, and you just, it's like, just don't make a scene, just try and stand there, not mess things up. 
And it's almost as that our Christmas pageants affirm what was happening in the first century because that's exactly shepherds were looked at as sort of the near the bottom layer of the social strata. There, shepherds, um, there was only one group of people that were perceived as lower on the social strata in that day, and that, those people were the lepers. People who were inflicted with leprosy, who had to go around covering their mouth, and anytime they came in contact with someone who was not inflicted with leprosy, they had to keep their distance and shout, unclean, I'm clean, like, keep your distance from me. You don't want to be contaminated by me. The group that was above them were the shepherds. Now, there is this book, it's called the Mishnah. Uh, it, it's, it's the writings uh, that the writings of the oral traditions of the rabbis. You've got the Torah, you've got the Old Testament, and, uh, and then the, the rabbis were interpreting, it was all oral tradition, and then someone put it in print, and the Mishnah actually picks up this, um, this thought of the, the low nature of the, the social standing of shepherds. Uh, it, it says, according, by the way, according to the Mishnah, shepherds were under a religious ban. They were excluded from the religious community. Um, and th- there were reasons for that. They had a reputation. Um, the shepherds were regarded as thieves. The Mishnah reads, it is forbidden to buy milk and a baby lamb from a shepherd because it is most likely stolen property. A little bit later on in the Mishnah. If a shepherd falls into a pit, no one is under obligation to help them get out. Shepherds, Mishnah says, shepherds are not permitted to bear testimony in court because they are deceivers. These are the shepherds. And who does God announce the apex of his redemptive plan to first? Shepherds. Now, let me just read to you a little bit from Matthew chapter two, because this is the, uh, this, the story of the wise men. Uh, you, you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Page 1515, Matthew two, um, column on the right. See the big two. I'm gonna start right, right there. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So we've, we've got shepherds and, and then we've got the, 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 the magi or the wise, which by the way, this is probably the one time in, in, uh, in the Bible that astrologers are put into a positive light. When, when I was growing up as a kid, it was like, you know, avoid astrology and, and horoscopes and, you know, and they had those dates that kind of tell you kind of what star or constellation you were connected with. One time I remember, I think I was in uh, middle school and I, I found out that I, I was a Virgo. I didn't know what that meant, but I saw a sticker one time in the store and I bought it and I put it on my suitcase and a teacher at boarding school came up to me um, when I was getting ready to leave on a plane and saw it and was pretty mad, ripped it off my suitcase and said, you know, astrology and horoscopes are, are evil. And I wish I had the wherewithal to, to look at Matthew chapter two at that time and show it to them and say, well, actually, they're pretty important. They're the ones who announced, and probably one of them was a Virgo. I mean, you never know. 
Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, rely on horoscopes. No, 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 no. I'm not, that's not where I'm going. But what I'm saying is, well, here's what's interesting. Here, here are these astrologers following a star, and, um, and they're, these outsiders are announcing to the Jewish people, to the government officials, and to the priests that their Messiah is born. Now, here, here's the epiphany. Put up on the screen. God likes to use nobodies for his noblest tasks. Now, you may be thinking, well, okay, shepherds, I, I kind of get all that, but magi, aren't, aren't, they're, they're kind of important. <laughs> not in Israel, maybe back home, but not in Israel. A, a Jewish male would often pray this prayer. Blessed are you, pray it in the morning. Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Now, that prayer's got multiple issues. But the, but the first one is, thank you, God, I'm not a Gentile. Thank you, God, I'm not an outsider. The wise men are outsiders. If, if they wanted to worship at the temple, there was an outer court in which they could worship, which, by the way, is why Jesus was so angry that when he went to the outer court that had been changed into a marketplace. He was keeping Gentiles from encountering God. It would be like us saying, hey, um, if you were not born in the U.S., uh, we'd love to have you come to church, but you need to worship in the lobby. That, that was sort of the way worship was, was structured. And, and so here we are, these magi, they're outsiders, they're Gentiles. The shepherds are nobodies. Who does God announce his redemptive plan to? Outsiders and shepherds. Shepherd, nobodies and, and outsiders. This is the gospel. This is, this is the good news of the gospel. These shepherds, these wise men could never earn the favor of God. And what we read about is that the angels are announcing glory to God in the highest peace on earth to all people among whom his favor rests. This is the declaration, the first sound bites of the good news of the gospel going out. And who does God go to? He goes to outsiders. He goes to nobodies. Paul picks us up in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter one. He says, remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things, things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Friends, you may feel like you've been given a stick in a bathrobe. You, you may feel like all the action is happening over there. And you're kind of back here. I got good news for you. God taps on the shoulders of nobodies and gives to them the noblest of tasks because he sees who the world calls as nobodies and he sees them as somebody. And if you've ever felt like you've been given a stick in a bathrobe, for some reason you don't measure up. This is maybe something society is saying. Maybe it's something that, that it's just, maybe you perceiving it at work or at school. I've got great news for you. Today, a savior is born. King is born, and his favor 
rests on you. The shepherds and the magi are going on in the story. Let me just keep going with the story as we wrap up. Uh, I'll pick it up in verse 18. A couple more verses. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I felt like there was one more epiphany in there and it dawned on me this week. It just popped out. It came out with that phrase, the shepherds went back to their flocks. Remember what they were doing at the beginning of the story before the curtain of heaven was pulled back and the angels show up? They're in the fields guarding their flocks. Why, why would you need to guard something? Because they may be in danger. There's a perceived danger, so someone's gotta take care. So they're, they're guarding sheep from wild animals. They're guarding sheep from other shepherds, all right? But when the angels show up, they leave their sheep in the field and go to town to find this baby lying in a manger. And then when they see this baby lying in a manger, then they go throughout the town and start announcing that the Savior is born. When that is all done, they go back to their fields. And, and if you look at it from this one angle, it's like... If you're just kind of wandering the fields one night and you come across this, this you're kind of hearing the sounds of sheep and, and you look and there's like, all of a sudden you, you see this pasture just full of sheep and you're looking and there's no shepherds. Who is watching these sheep? Nobody. Which, just real quick, just a last little epiphany for us. Doing what God asks can look irresponsible. Sometimes God shows up in our routines, taps us on the shoulder, it comes to us, we, like, why would he choose us? But he taps us on the shoulder, gives us a noble task, sends us out, and as we go out, it actually, it, it actually can look irresponsible. It actually can look foolish. Now, here, I'm, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can just play the God card and cover all your foolish mistakes that you've made in life or the one you're thinking about. And I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying sometimes when you, when you do what God asks you to do, people around you are looking in and they're saying, that does not make sense. But you're doing exactly what God has called you to. Friends, this, this little thing that happens in a field just for one night, I mean, it can, it can appear to be irresponsible. You might, ha you might have people saying things to you, uh, saying, that, that I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's wise. But again, if you read the story of scripture, this happens over and over and over again. Jesus calls his disciples and they leave, they leave their, their nets on the beach. They leave their small business there in the sand to follow him. You'll see this again and again through the scriptures. And it continues to happen again and again in our lives. Um, a lot of you know the name Rob Childs. Rob is... Um, executive pastor here at Sam Lyons. He's sitting right over here. Um, and I got his permission to tell the story so I don't owe him a milkshake by <laughs> telling a story about him um, without asking his permission. Rob was, uh, he had a dream to be involved in hospital administration or medical world because of a brother who passed away. And uh, so Rob went to the University of Washington and if he were up here with a mic, he'd say go Huskies, but he doesn't have a mic. And Rob, uh, Rob had this dream of, 
of being involved in, in hospital administration, eventually running his own hospital. He was a COO of a, of a hospital here in the Willamette Valley. And, um, and his youngest son was about to graduate and he had told his kids he was gonna pay their way through college. And, and then when the kids were out of the house, it's probably most likely he had a move coming up, which just sort of move him down the path toward um, eventually a promotion. And um, you know, it's kind of just the, the normal track people go on, just sort of moving, moving their way up the ladder. In that process, just months before his youngest son graduates from high school, God taps him on the shoulder. Um, uh, John Stumbo, who was lead pastor at that time, asks him to consider being executive pastor of Salem Alliance Church. This isn't the normal career path for someone who's thinking about running their own hospital, of sort of moving down that track. In fact, Rob struggled with this so much that this, this idea is sensing a call, yet at the same, same time sensing the death of a dream. And, and yet in it all, clearly God is tapping him on the shoulders and, and by God's grace, and to, I'm super grateful because he's been, he's been an incredible partner for me in ministry, uh, frees me up for so many things, he, he said yes. And it's a head scratcher because... It's not a move up. It's, it, it's, 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 you know, he, he paid a price. Financially, certainly. But even just that whole, that whole direction he was headed. And, and I'm certain there were people in the hospital who were scratching their heads. Going, what is he doing? That, that story is repeated over and over and over again in people's lives as God comes to them and taps them on the shoulder. Maybe you are here today and you've been, you've been, you've been thinking, you've been hearing God and I just encourage you, listen to him and also kind of discern what he's saying with good friends and community in your small group. But as you bring people around you, you might be hearing God calling you to something and it doesn't pencil out. Yet it still can be God. And people may still say, that makes no sense at all. And my guess is if anyone was wandering through a pasture and saw these shepherdless sheep, they, have wondered, they may wonder the same thing. And actually what blows me away in this whole deal is not only that God would come to shepherds and magi, these outsiders and these nobodies. Here, here's what's amazing. That Jesus would call himself a shepherd. That Jesus himself would say, I've come to those Broken, pushed to the outside, pushed to the fringes. This is the good news of the gospel. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Because there was a God who saw you, who saw us, and said, I'm coming. Now, anytime we encounter God's word, it's really important for us to just take some time to respond. So I want to invite us to do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes, begin a conversation with Jesus and for some maybe that's, that, that's totally foreign you could just start by just saying asking Jesus what are you saying to me he, he may be telling you he's there in the routine he may be saying I got a, I got a noble task for you He may be just affirming and saying, yeah, it doesn't make sense from the outside, but it makes total sense. What, Jesus, what, do you, what are you saying to us today?
Now, Lord, here we are. Fill us with courage to respond to the things you're saying to us. And let us walk out of here without, without saying, okay, now, Lord, I, I need to act. What's that look like? Fill us with your courage. Thank you so much, Father, for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for coming in such a vulnerable way and for allowing your story to intersect with our story today and strengthen our spirits. It's in your name we pray, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.